0: Welcome to the 1717 Podcast, a ministry of Roseville
1: Baptist Church, with Pastor Jackie Hill. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only truth and untruth. And Pastor Derek Ambrose. We have to stop
2: searching for truth in our culture when God's already given us the answer. Jackie and Derek answer important questions with the truth of God's Word.
1: In John seventeen seventeen, Jesus prayed, "Sanctify them in truth. Your
2: word is truth." Here's your host, Derek Ambrosen. Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode fifty-seven of the Seventeen Seventeen podcast. I'm Pastor Derek Ambrosen, and I'm joined today by a guest of the show, Pastor Mike Blonick. Mike, how you doing, brother?
1: Hey, Derek, I'm doing good. Looking forward to a biblically fun conversation with you. Absolutely. How you doing?
2: I'm I'm doing very well, uh, just getting ready actually after this to go to Alexis's grandma's house for a little early Christmas celebration, so starting to squeeze that stuff in, and I'll probably do my, my typical thing I do there and, and fall asleep on the couch, so <laughs> I'm becoming an old man quickly, and her grandma even acknowledges for it, she said, I, I, actually she told me earlier, she's like, yeah, my grandma last time I was over said, Derek can come over and sleep on my couch anytime, it's okay, so uh, she she understands that and, and is not offended by me falling asleep, it's, it's a good thing, so... Now I'm doing great man, but really excited for this episode, and I want to get right into it and uh, I, I chose you specifically to guest on this pod for this episode because of your experience in this, much more than mine and the the question we're going to ask is, are Mormons Christian? Um, you know we I think there's a lot of confusion about what Mormonism is. We may be wondering, like, is this just a another denomination of Christianity, like Baptist or um, you know Lutheran and then Mormons or uh, there's people who would accuse it of being a cult. So what, what is this? And we want to dig into that looking, really, we're going to just be comparing the two um, between the Bible and then some of the scriptures, including the Bible, that uh, the Mormons hold to. But Mike, I want to give, give you the floor for just a couple minutes just to give uh, listeners uh, your background with Mormons, because you lived in Utah for about 10 years yep. so, uh, and, and had a lot of interaction with them. So go ahead and tell listeners just a little bit about uh, your experience with Mormonism.
1: Well, um, I, I felt led to, to move down to Utah, which was an interesting thing at the time. And I, we don't have time for that story. But, um, when I started to open myself up and have conversations with, with Mormons, it was, uh, very eye um, to me in many ways. And so what I learned was that you know the deeper you get into scripture with anybody the more you're going to learn and the more they're going to learn mm. and so um you know the funny thing is is that i moved down there and so many mormons when i first got down there said oh you're going to become a mormon i actually thought well maybe maybe i will i, I don't mm-hmm. know cuz i didn't know what their what their beliefs were yeah. i've not got a, a a whole apple box full of mormon stuff like these are these are their general books uh, bibles that they've given me and and so i was able to get into all those things um and so, but you know, the the end all is is that I moved on there for ten years, uh, worked with Mormons, got into their uh, their what they refer to scripture, got into what we re- refer to scripture, and really just learned a ton. And so it was it was great for me, and I, I believe it was great for them. I got to see some people um, come to Christ, leave the Mormon Church, mm. and um, and that was all of their own accord. You know, I can't yeah, force anybody. No to do anything. Yeah,
2: that's always good. It's hard, <laughs> it's hard to. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's that's great to hear, man. I'm uh I, I was excited for this episode because I have actually learned a lot going through this, and a lot of your your Apple box of of Mormon stuff was very helpful resources to me because I found and uh, well as you know I was frustrated because looking online there there's not a lot there um mm-hmm. or it's uh you know kind of that just general facade, but getting into some of the writings found a lot of interesting things. So uh, we're gonna break down some of the differences, starting with just the historical differences of. Uh, Christianity and Mormonism. So uh, many of you guys are familiar. The canon of scripture was finalized before 400 AD. There's speculations exactly when and and when all the books were included, but uh, that is when it finalized. And we know that wasn't because man decided to choose what was in there. These were already God ordained books that were viewed as scripture and just finally put all together. So 400 AD looking over 1600 years ago, whereas the birth of Mormonism was not until the 19th century, right around 1830, And that came to be from Joseph Smith, who was, uh, according to his testimony, approached by two angels of light, one of which claimed to be Jesus, uh, of course, very similar to Paul's interaction on the road to Damascus, if you picture picture it that way. And then three years later, he was visited by the angel Moroni and told he should unearth and translate a holy book that contained the writings of the the prophets of ancient America. Then in 1829, he was visited by John the Baptist, of whom laid hands on him and gave him the authority of the Aaronic priesthood. And then afterwards, James, Peter, and John appeared to him and gave him the authority of the Melchizedek priesthood. So that's kind of the story of Joseph Smith coming to this um, spiritual authority to write the Book of Mormon and to start off this religion
1: uh, much, much later than scripture itself. Uh, Okay, so... The Bible says in Galatians 1, 6-9, says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed as we have said before so now i say again if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received let him be accursed
2: yeah that's uh it's a powerful verse is one so i mean with, with that if when we look at mormonism if we dictate that mormonism their gospel is contrary to the one that paul has preached this is this is harsh words from the book of galatians written you know 1800 years before uh, Joseph Smith did. So we're going to get into that. And starting with some of the differences in doctrine, specifically first, the essence of God and, and really being one God. So, Mike, you got kind of the Mormon view on this. So go ahead and give us this, and then I'll uh, contrast with uh, some scriptures from the Bible.
1: Sure. It's almost like God knew what was going to happen ahead yeah, of time. Crazy how that works. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, God is, a, is God. Yeah. And not a person. Yep. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the essence of God... Um, one of their quotes is, as man now is, God once was. As God now is, man may be. And so this was from Lorenzo Snow, um, the fifth LDS president. I um, mean, he would be really um, the equivalent of, say, the Pope
2: mm-hmm.
1: in in Catholicism, for example. So whatever he says, they
2: consider that scripture. Yeah, and they, say, they would have viewed, and I think we'll bring this up later, but I want to say it now so it— <clears throat> Why we're quoting him matters, but their presidents, every time they had a president, they viewed him as like a, a seer or that he would have revelations and that would be held on the authority of scripture. So when he says this, this isn't just like some theologian that has some crazy saying this was Mm -hmm. something that would have been
1: held in that high esteem. Sure. The, The second one I'll use, it says the father has a body of flesh and bones as tangible as man's, the son also, but the Holy ghost has not a body of flesh and bones but is a personage of spirit, were it not so the Holy Spirit could not dwell in us. And the third one is Mormons also say that John one says the Word was a God, not God. Yeah, so the, the little
2: G God, not the big G God. You have obviously the Father being flesh and bones, so very much a different view of how we view God the Father. And, and starting in Hebrews thirteen eight where it says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we know Jesus never changes. Deuteronomy six four it says here, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. So there we have the, the one God um, and has always been. And then Isaiah forty three, ten through eleven, uh, which I think really caps us off well, says, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am He before me, there was no God formed. There will be none after me. I, even I, and the Lord, and there's no savior besides me. So God makes it very clear in Isaiah. He is the only God. There was never a God before. He himself, like he's not formed. He has been. There'll be none after him. So contrasting that point from Lorenzo Snow, Mike, that you read, as man now is, God once was, but as God now is, man may be. That that gives the uh, impression that we can become a God, and in Isaiah, it's clearly not the case.
1: Yeah, clearly, uh, what's interesting about that, to me anyway, is that what that is saying is that me and you, Derek, given that we do the right things, we can become God of our own planet, and that is literally their belief. Not that there is just one God from all eternity, which the Bible clearly says, their belief is that you, Derek, can -hmm. become God, so get on your stuff. yeah. There's some work to do, and you can become God. It's okay. You can start now. You know, you were pagan up to this point, but Mm -hmm. now you can become God.
2: Yeah. And don't get me wrong. That's enticing to people because even as Christians, we like to be our own gods all the time. We just, you know, don't accept it as a good thing. But ultimately, that is the desire of our hearts um, ever since the the fall of, you know, back in Genesis 3. uh, But Mormonism would just say that's the ultimate goal, uh, where we'd say that's not not what we want to be. Mm hmm. So I think the next point and point of doctrine to look at is views on mankind. And so th- this is an interesting one that is kind of mind-boggling to me as I read, but um in the in the Mormon view, there's from the Book of Moses ver- or chapter 7 verse 8 that they have in the Book of Mormon, it says this. Or actually this was in uh, after the story of Cain and Abel and Cain killing Abel. Well, here's, you know, the extra biblical stuff that they have in there and it says this, for behold the Lord shall curse the land with much heat and the barrenness thereof shall go forth forever. And there was a blackness came upon all the children of Canaan, and they were despised among all people. So you may be thinking, okay, that, that's just metaphorical or that's figurative. No, it, it's it's a literal blackness. When when they look at the, the curse of Cain um, that in the Bible says was just a mark on his head, they're saying this is literally black skin that came as a result. And from uh, the Mormon Doctrine book, Mike, that you had from Bruce R. McConkie uh, back on page 527. This, this was from some of the original stuff they believe said this when talking specifically about black people. It said these... Go, yeah, go ahead.
1: Well, well, and realize Bruce R. McConkie was a general authority. Mm, yeah. So yeah, people would go to him and, and he had this book. I mean, this was for 20 years. He would just continue to update this book. Mm. And and the the... The prophet didn't come and say, hey, stop writing this. This isn't true. Yeah. Which, heck, if me or Derek wrote something that that Jackie didn't like, Jackie would come tell us. Yeah. He's a local pastor. Yeah. (laughs) We're not talking for, you know, that goes up to millions and millions of
2: people. Yeah, yeah, good. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. I think it's good to give the guy who wrote this some credibility. So here's what he wrote. He said, these people are not equal with other races where the receipt of certain spiritual blessings are concerned, particularly the priesthood and the temple blessings that flow therefrom, but this inequality is not of man's origin, it is the Lord's doing, is based on his eternal laws of justice and grows out of the lack of spiritual valiance of those concerned in their first estate. So uh, yeah, that, it's not sugarcoated. coated that, That's some harsh words about uh, a specific ethnicity of people yeah. being cursed and, and it being of the Lord's doing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the Bible specifically talks about it it being written on their forehead, Mm -hmm. but they, they applied it as a racial thing. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's also really notable to say here that most Mormons don't even know that this is true. Like, I remember I brought this up to someone who had already been on a mission, you know, so they had studied, they'd been Mormon their whole life, probably around 25 years old. And this person was like, no, it just doesn't say that. So I had to get their own book. I went and purchased their own book Mm -hmm. (laughs) underlined, you know, a couple of things in these three pages where he explains this historical event, and they, they believe it's a historical event. Yep. The, the the They're part of the creation of the world and how things happen, and this is what it describes. Yep. It's very clear, and so it's very hurtful to them to to see that, which is why you know you have to say things in love.
2: Yeah, and and I think we were talking about it before. If if you look this up online, a lot of this viewpoint has changed now since the 1970s, yeah. but it was more based on. Mormons being sued for for a you know obviously racial issues here, Um, Mm -hmm. but but the point being like back in their doctrine they changed it because they got sued, not because they viewed it as as something new or different.
1: Well, and even from their point of view, it is it is convenient that Mm -hmm. things like major doctrines have changed because of things that were going on outside of the church. Yeah. So even, you know, um, Utah becoming a state, there, there were threats from the government when they decided, hey, hey no more uh, multiple wives, Yeah, for example. Yep.
2: So, Mike, give us the, the Christian perspective, the biblical worldview on uh,
1: mankind. Okay. So Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Second Galatians 3.28 says, there just, is need...
2: Just Galatians. I think you saw
1: point two there. Just Galatians three twenty-eight. We don't have a second Galatians. Oh. <laughs> Whoops. oh second point, yes. Um, Galatians three twenty-eight says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then the third point, James two, eight through nine says, if you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing right, but if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Yeah, great verses. I think a, a few different
2: ones that just show one: God created man and fe- male and female in His image, and then through Jesus, we're all the same. It doesn't mean we're not unique, but we're all the same in Jesus. He doesn't discriminate uh, based on who He will save in that way. And then finally, of course, we aren't to show favoritism either, because God doesn't. And uh, that—that's the beauty of of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third point is the authority of scripture. So uh, as we keep moving through this, cause we, we have a lot here, uh, the Mormon side that they, they hold to their articles of faith, point eight, which is their, this is the thing that they would hand out to you of, of their main articles of faith that they believe.
1: Yeah. If you go to the uh, temple in Salt Lake city, they'll hand you these. Yeah. And you, you handed me one, not
2: for you know the sake of um, witnessing to me that way, but for this, but it says in their number eight it says, we believe the Bible to be the word of God as far as it is translated correctly, we also believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God. So they have two words of God, and assuming that one is translated correctly. Sure.
1: And so their are authoritative books. Um, one is, is the Book of Mormon, which Joseph Smith declared is the most correct book of any book on earth, and the keystone of our religion, and a man would get nearer to God by it, abiding by its precepts. Than by any other book uh, the interesting thing about that is that um someone who left the mormon church then uh, created a book and it is 3913 mistakes in the book of mormon <laughs> so i mean it's just a lot of mistakes man yeah it's a lot. <laughs> and um you know these are spelling errors these are are different doctrinal things but there there's a lot of changes from the original that he had mm-hmm. and so for him to say that it's an interesting thing the second thing it says uh The Church also regards the Doctrine and Covenants as Scripture. It is a collection of modern revelations regarding the Church of Jesus Christ as it has been restored in these last days. Now, um, and that's from, uh, that last last quote is from Gospel Principles. So it's important to realize that the Book of Mormon isn't where they're getting most of their differences that we're going to talk about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's mostly in Doctrine and Covenants. Pearl of Great Price, it's, it's, it's not the Book of Mormon. Um, uh, the Pearl of Great Price, which I just referenced, is the fourth book believed to be inspired. It clarifies doctrines and teachings that were lost from the Bible and gives added information concerning the creation of the earth. Mm. And that's a direct quote from Gospel Principles, page 54. And then the church's president is regarded as a seer a revelator, a translator, and a prophet. And so, um Yeah, that's the way there.
2: Yeah, and then obviously with you know the, the other book being the Bible that they hold, assuming it's translated correctly. So you see Book of Mormon, the Bible, Doctrines and Covenants, the Pearl, of the Great Price are the main things that they would point to. Whereas in Christianity we know Second Timothy three, sixteen to seventeen says all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate. Equipped for every work, so it makes it clear the Bible is is what we need. All the other stuff,
1: um, extra biblical things, are not also authoritative. Second mm-hmm. um, Peter one nineteen to twenty one says, so um so we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns, and the morning star arises in your hearts. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men, moved by the Holy Spirit, spoke from God. Yeah, so
2: God, again, makes it clear, prophecies are not from man, they are just from God. um, And they again, inspired by God in the canon that we have back hundreds and hundreds of years ago. So the Bible is all we need, that sufficiency of scripture. And so uh, the fourth point that of their doctrinal differences is going to be salvation, which is obviously one of the big ones and how we are saved or what that looks like. And so from their book in the Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi 25, um, 23 says, For we labored diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ, and to be reconciled to God. Sounds good so far. Then it says, For we know that it is by grace that we are saved. But then here's the the key point. It says, after all we can do. Mm-hmm. So if you if you just read part of that, you think, man, that's just like the Bible. It's after grace that we're saved. But it says, after all we can do. So there's this assumption now that it is a works based thing. And then, yeah, we're not going to be perfect. So that's where you know the, the grace comes in. But it's you need to do all that you can do to, like you said. Become your own god of your own planet and all that that goes, mm-hmm. but there's that's a clear difference in uh, some of the scriptures we'll read in in just a minute.
1: Well, and, and like I, when I explained this to Derek, uh, we were talking about this just yesterday, I think, or a couple days ago. Um, I said it's it's like a recipe, mm-hmm. and whenever we whenever you get a recipe, you want to follow the recipe. You yeah. don't you don't um, mix the ingredients. And then turn the oven on for an hour and don't put the ingredients in the oven. They're not going to cook, mm-hmm. right? So often um, what, what cults do is they take God's recipes and they flip them upside down so they don't work. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's terrible to even explain it that way, but that's literally what is done here. Yeah, Because we'll contrast that in a minute with Ephesians 2, 8 uh, through 10, which, which literally says the opposite. And the other point that I wanna point out here is that after all we can do, when the heck does that start? Yeah. Like like when are you done doing your stuff? Yeah. Because our God saves us right now. Yep. Yeah. Despite all the stuff that we've done. Because if we're gonna add up all the stuff that I do, well, the Bible is very clear in Isaiah that all my good works are nothing but trash to God. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it it gets a little more explicit, but I'm gonna leave it there. Yeah.
2: So what we see from them as well is that, this is what they say, Jesus's death gives all immortality, which sounds crazy. It says, his, this is from the Book of Mormon in the book Alma, uh, chapter 11, verse 44, it says, His atonement, death and resurrection, provides immortality for all people regardless of their faith. Christ thus overcame physical death. Because of his atonement, everyone born on this earth will be resurrected. This condition is called immortality. All people who ever lived will be resurrected, both old and young, both bond and free, both male and female, both the wicked and the righteous. So all people now are going to be resurrected um, and immortal because of Jesus's death. It's, it's very different than what's said in the Bible. And, and you pointed to now, Mike, in, in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 in, in the Bible, says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So clearly different. There's no, after all we can do, it says specifically not by works so that no one can boast. So even though a lot of those verses sound similar, that is a
1: radical, radical difference between the two. Mm Yep. Well, in Titus 2, all uh, right, sorry. Titus three five says he saved us not because of our uh, not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And so we see such a contrast here. Um, they they do not line up. And so this and and I I've said this to my Mormon friends and I've said this to other people. Like if if God hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. God's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We've already hit on that verse. Um, Then has God decided to smoke crack at what point Mm -hmm. in these scriptures where they're so radically different? These are not just God has decided to do this. He has changed the whole plan of salvation where at some point, and this is why, you know, Mormonism is work-based is because you have to do all your work and then hope.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. So that's, People trying to get to God, they do all these works and hope that God finishes at the end. Yep. Where the Bible is quite the opposite. God has done all the work and come to us. Yeah. And we re- when we accept him, receive him as our Savior, we are reborn, we are changed from our core, and we are now part of his spiritual family. Yeah. The, Bible, the, the, the Bible is just so clear on that.
2: Yep. Yeah, amen. Because if, if we had to go to God and, and work for it, uh, none of us would be... None of us would be there,
1: and so the the
2: fifth and last point that we want to make, uh, just from a difference in doctrine, again, this is not exhaustive. there is a lot more in fact, I had to cut a lot out of this to, for the sake of getting it to the amount of time so there there's plenty of differences, but looking at life after death and how uh Christians and Mormons view after we die, and so um within Mormonism, we see there's because again, we just you know established that because Jesus died, all people are now immortal um and so they would say that you go to one of three levels of glory. So one, you have the exaltation into into the celestial kingdom for faithful Mormons where where people may become gods or angels. And the the quote is, then they shall be gods from the doctrines and covenant, uh, 132 verse 20. So that's the highest level. If you're a great Mormon, then you're going to become a god or an angel. Then the second level is the terrestrial kingdom for righteous non-Mormons. So I suppose this is where you and I would fit in. Uh, It says, these, this is a quote, these are they who are honorable men of the earth who were blinded by the craftiness of men. These are they who receive of his glory, but not of his fullness. That's from doctrines and covenants chapter 76. So there's kind of like a second level, but it's not, you're you're not a God there or God of your planet. And then the third one is the telestial kingdom for wicked and ungodly, uh, but not hell. And it says, quote, these are they who are liars and sorcerers and adulterers who suffer the wrath of God on earth from, again, doctrines and covenants 76. So they view life after death in three different categories of your highest being your own God. And then just of all of us, good people who are just not Mormons. We we are blinded by craftiness and we're just kind of in the middle. And then there's those who are going to be suffering um, for their wicked lifestyle forever.
1: Well, what's, what's interesting, especially about that third one, that you said that these are they who are liars, sorcerers, and adulterers. Adulterers, um, who hasn't lied before? Yeah, yeah, right. So, I would say then there's no one in B. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so C, uh, you know, maybe on my street there's Stalin down the way. You know, Hitler's my next door neighbor. Um, yeah, that might be a, an uncomfortable yep, situation and there you are. for yep. eternity. Yep. As far as uh, on the Christian side, Matthew 25, 46 says, and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Revelation 21, 1 through 2 says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Yeah, so clearly through, through your scripture, and we've, we've
2: done this pod before about, you know, if hell is real or not, or if it's just figurative. And we established in that one and here too, that there's a clear, there's a heaven and a hell, and then that new heaven and new earth will come down for all believers. So there's not these levels of, you know, here's here's where you become a God and here's the in-between and then here's the... You know, what we would picture as hell, there is a heaven and a hell, and it is only through Jesus that one is saved. Yep. So I, I think there's it's a clear, way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. Amen to that. And there's a clear difference. And of course, we can't be a God, so therefore that's a huge difference in Mormonism. But Mike, as we as we wrap up here soon, I just want to ask you, you know, because a lot of our listeners maybe haven't interacted with Mormons or doesn't don't know much about this. and, and maybe they won't get the opportunity to, but in case that they do. I, I would ask you the question, how do we, or how do Christians actively fight unbiblical beliefs in Mormonism? Because you've said like a lot of it, and even when I was digging, a lot of it is very similar. Mm-hmm. And you would talk to a Mormon and they would say, yeah, we, we believe the same thing. So, uh, but we've established that that's clearly not the case. So how would you practically fight these unbiblical beliefs in Mormonism?
1: Okay. Um, well, well, first off, I'd like to say, um, realize that they are, are really big on looking good or being morally good people. Yeah, sure. Okay. And so often they do better than we do. Mm-hmm. The Bible says we all fall short, but they're really trained. No, no, you really need to have, show good faith. Do the best you can. And I I think that's uh something that we should all be doing. Trying mm-hmm. to do the best we can to represent God um and ourselves. Yeah. Um so that's not a bad thing, but in order to um fight things that are unbiblical, the first thing you need to do is to know and study your own Bible. Yeah, And then you need to be open to studying it with them. If they're willing to get into the word of God with you, amen, hallelujah, mm-hmm. it's only going to be good for you and them. So you need to uh, make some um, boundaries, right? And and you, so you have these conversations and say, hey, well, since we both believe in the Bible, you know, it's, at least kind of, right? Yep. <laughs> um, if you're going to believe the Bible, let's use that as our foundational text because we both believe that. Yeah. So we'll use, we'll come back to these things. We can talk about other things, but let's go there. Um, and mo- and um, Most importantly, we need to be meek and humble as we discuss these foundational truths. And we need to remember that the Bible is clear, that it is uh, sharp, that it is sharp, And it's as a two-edged sword; it cuts to the core of who we are, and to those who hear it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't return void; so it cuts right to the middle. So, like when when I read it, when I read that liar thing, it reminds me, "Hey, you're really not supposed to sin." And I feel bad, and I repent. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, though our job is to present Scripture accurately, and then God does the rest. Also, in these are conversations. And they're not arguments. You yeah. know, we, um, often in order to win an argument, you may raise your voice. You may get heated. There's no point in that. The power is the Holy Spirit. It's not me talking louder is going to win. That just means that we're probably not going to have another conversation about this again for a long time. Or they just may end the relationship. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's no win there. And so um, we're to share the truth and love. And that's always. We need to be willing to learn about their faith as well, mm. because the more open that you are, the more open that they can be as well. Um, so this is how I've always started these initial conversations with Mormons. Say, so, hey, I, I want the best for you. You want the best for me. You say that you have something that I don't have, and I believe the same in, in reverse. So let's take a look at Scripture and see what it says. Um, if they agree to that, then, you, I mean, you're, you're good to go, but... Make sure that you're buckled in because these conversations can go for a long time and you're going to learn a lot of things. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a humbling thing. Yeah. Now, and the last thing I want to say is that most Mormons are passionate and sincere. But just like everyone else, they can be passionately and sincerely wrong. Mm. We have to be open to that as well. Because if we're wrong about what we think the Bible says and adjust our beliefs, then we'll never be wrong in those areas again. And that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I appreciate that word. I think that's good to, I think
2: with anything, knowing and studying your Bible, knowing what it actually says, knowing the truth versus the lies is a huge part of that, especially with different religions or worldviews that just like to twist truth just a little bit. And that's where we know some of the biggest struggles are. It's easy when something is radically the opposite to be like, no, that's crazy, I'm, I'm out of there. But when it's hidden or subversive or just a little bit changed, that's where it gets tough. And so I think you're right, you know, treating them as people. They're still people, you know, we're all people, and God tells us to love our neighbor regardless of what they believe. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's powerful stuff.
1: Yeah, also, I mean, be willing to say you don't know. Yeah. Are we be willing to say you're wrong because in the end, they're wrong. What the, what the word of God and what you're asking them to do is to say that their belief structure that they believed in their whole life and have fought for is actually wrong. And you don't want to just prove them wrong because that's not that hard. Mm-hmm. Look at all these script. There are tons more. Yeah. We could sit here for like two days and just list things and list, list what the Bible says and list what they're, we can do it for days. But in the end, you're asking them to change their life. Mm-hmm. And, and so much is built in, with Mormonism, so much is built in socially, um, and to, to reject their religion may be rejecting their family, and their family may then reject them. Yeah. I mean, it it's goes tough. that deep. Mm-hmm. It really does.
2: So, in summary, there's so much to both Christianity and Mormonism that we can't squeeze into a podcast like this, but we believe that after studying the Bible and comparing it to Mormon scriptures, Mormons are not Christians nor is Mormonism just a a denomination within Christianity. These are two very different religions with radically different views on the essence of God and man, the authority of the Bible and the doctrine of salvation. As Christians, we have to be willing to engage and discuss truth of scripture in a humble and loving way with Mormons or with people of any other religion, because the great commission doesn't discriminate on who should hear the gospel truth. We are called to share it with all people of all nations. Our hope is that you can grow, first and foremost, in your faith of what you believe from this podcast, and then take that to others and show them the love of God and Jesus Christ. That concludes today's show. Thank you so much for listening, and we appreciate your support. God bless, and we'll talk to you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to the 1717 Podcast. If you have any questions, please connect with us on Twitter or email us at 1717pod at gmail.com.